Welcome everyone to another episode of Defying Gravity. I'm your host, Smith, and joining me once again is Dave from the Angels. And Dave, um, I normally would shun you, uh, <laughs> given the circumstances, but no one else wanted to be my co-host, so I, I was kind of forced into this one. So, good Friday is today. Happy Friday. If you had off, if you didn't, then hopefully you get to listen to this on your way back home, but... Dave, how does it feel knowing that you are a criminal and a thief? You know, I think clubs like mine have to get lucky every once in a while, and I'll take it. So, you know. That's a great way of putting it. The, uh, you know, the, those two deals, the Hutchinson and Hassel deal, you know, it's, uh, it's the highlight of my offseason, especially knowing that I was competing with you. So. Uh, you know, you managed to suck away all of my prospects, and I had no deal with you this offseason. But yeah. you doubled the price on me with both of those guys. But, uh, you know, at least I know I'm going after the right players, I guess. Well, you went from, a, by doubling down on the prospects, you went from completely ripping off the other person to just slightly ripping them off. So, um, <laughs> <sighs> anyways, um so baseball season, actual baseball season is upon us. Uh, been a lot going on in the last week and change. So I know it's been like three or four weeks, almost a month plus since we've had a podcast. But, um, you know, I got all my Joan Duran 102 mile an hour fix out of the way for the season. So we can do a uh, Defying Gravity pod here. But what I think we can cover, as we talked about, just before we went live was just the off season so far in totality. Some of the teams that have surprised us the most um, both good and bad. And then we'll just go through some of the remaining free agents that are out there. There are some very good ones out there still not top tier, but very good ones. And we'll guesstimate where we think they can land given the teams that are aggressive on the trading for agent markets, how much money they have to spend, et cetera. So what we'll start with, Dave, we'll go to the offseason center tab in the file. We'll go to offseason summary by team and then look at that table, team sort of by war gained. Number one on that list, to no one's surprise, the Atlanta Hammers, followed by the Texas Rangers. They are comfortably in first and second. The Blue Jays, a distant third place with almost six war between them and the Rangers. And then in terms of the most war lost, the top three teams are the Cubs, the Yankees, and the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks are a little bit surprising there. We'll, we'll get into that one. But we can start with the teams that have been most aggressive. And by no means do you have to talk about just these teams, Dave, but what teams, generally speaking, do you think have had the best offseason to date? You know, I do, I do like what the Cubs have done. You know, I like those guys I gave up uh, for Hutchinson. I think you know, including the young big league guys that I gave up accelerates his rebuild by a couple seasons. And so, you know, the, they may not be elite, you know, 80 guys, but you're talking about top of the order to middle of the order players with, with pretty good defensive value on Griggs side, plus hit tool with Dominguez uh, and then some young prospects there. I think, you know, the war lost is, is negligible for them because of their, their positioning. So I don't know that that really, right illustrates how how well they've managed things but uh but i like what what drake has done there i think so too i mean Braden 
before he left said that he he, he comes to me and he goes i'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry and I, I'm, I'm like what are you apologizing for like what did, what did you do and he goes no i'm sorry because i'm leaving this team with like a really big rebuild that needs to go down and he was right i mean i really didn't understand how bad of a predicament the cubs were in until i really dug down because you know they were 84 and 78 last year they were generally speaking a solid albeit unspectacular team and they just had no farm to speak of they really didn't have much money to spend at all and that's kind of purgatory off-season purgatory if you will and by trading away kai who was making some money i know they retained but they still freed up a, a good deal of money there with some of the other trades they've made I think they have put themselves in a better position. So you're right in that the war loss doesn't really speak to the direction they're headed in. I definitely think it was the right move to make uh, for Drake in his first offseason as an actual GM. The Hutchinson deal, I think the return was fine, but philosophically speaking, I just don't like the idea of trading away a very young cost control pitcher because you just never know how long that rebuild could take. It could take only a season or two for this ship to be turned around. It could take five years. Even if it takes five years, Hutchinson to me is a guy that could still very well be an ace and well beyond that as well. And with the Cubs resources, thinking that far out, assuming that he stays healthy and he's producing, shouldn't be that difficult to extend him. So, I didn't understand that particular deal, but I do think in totality the Cubs have made some difficult decisions. I still think they have a lot more difficult decisions to make. I don't think by any means they're done. Um, if I'm them, I'm trying my best to trade anyone with value. If I can trade Chris Bryant, I'm happy. Uh, if I can trade Christian Robinson, I'm happy. You know, there's just a lot of different guys that I think would were get some pretty decent returns for the team. So they've gone in that direction and now they just need to put their pedal to the metal. Oh yeah, I totally agree. I think, <clears throat> I think Robinson's a great piece and you know, he must not be getting what he's looking for, for the guy. And I wouldn't take 75 cents on the dollar for him. I would wait until the season starts and somebody has an injury. And I'd also put him in left field or right field. I, I would not put him in center field. Yeah, I mean, that's whatever the team that's going to go get him, how they value him, that's fine. Um, but, I mean, he's a piece that he stays on the field. He's not an overly big injury risk. You know, this is a guy that you can probably bank on staying on par with his production. And in May or June, somebody is surprising and wants to pick up another piece. You know, he's going to be able to go get, you know, another level of prospect that he might not be able to get right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I mean, I think he's in a pretty good spot. And the money you're talking, I mean, he lost, he, he unloaded a bunch of money to me with, uh, with the Made deal. And I was fine with that. I was probably going to try and sign Made anyway. I had been talking with uh, the last guy about him uh, at the deadline last year, but ultimately didn't pull the trigger. But, uh, right. you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's a tough decision for sure. But, you know, what is, if you don't have the guys around your ace pitcher, you know, what are you going to, what are you going to do? You know, you still have to score runs and catch the ball and you've got nobody really in the rotation behind him. 
Mm-hmm. And even if he's the best pitcher in the game, what does that do? That gets you to what? 85 wins and still not, still not, you know, ahead of the Cardinals. I mean, so, that yeah. just, yeah. But that also assumes that, you know, there isn't going to be other trades that they make. Like, my point is, I don't think you have to trade the best pitcher in your organization by a pretty wide margin. Yeah. You know, that early on, unless it's a slam dunk deal. And with all due respect, I didn't think it was a slam dunk deal for him um, by any stretch of the imagination. Now, trading Kai, who's like 32 years old, right? Makes sense, made, right. Yelich, yeah. if he had Yelich still and was Yelich was still good, that would have made sense, right? Right. Um, so that's kind of where I was going with that. Um, but listen, I mean, he does have four top 100 prospects now, and he's got um, Wilson Romero, who I really, really like. I think he got him from Texas. And he also got Ken Lujan, who, if he gets an uptick in command, can be great, but I'm not betting on it necessarily. So interesting stuff from the Cubs for sure. A team that I do want to talk about is the Rangers. Now, I think the Rangers have gone a little bit under the radar, if for nothing else, that they were aggressive early in the offseason. They went out and got Brandon Williams, who is really interesting. He's not going to strike out a ton of guys, but he is more or less the next Aaron Nola or Joe Musgrove. He's that exact kind of profile. He's got three workable pitches. He keeps the ball on the ground, really good command, and he throws relatively hard. I love that move for him. Um, I think that's a fantastic get. And with the emphasis that he is placing on defense with Angelo Cavazos at uh, shortstop, Alex Bregman at second base, who's very good there. Vargas at first is excellent. Uh, Isaac Paredes is a uh, more than adequate third baseman. I believe he was 23% above average last year per defense efficiency. Um, I think he's going about this the right way. The process seems very sound. Um, so Brandon Williams was kind of one of the bigger gets for me. Of course, Bregman's great. Paredes, I guess under the radar, five and a half war last year. And Joe Adele, I think you're getting a 70 cents on the dollar just because of the contract that he was on. I think Kansas City was aggressive to get him out of there. And then also to get Hector Rodriguez, who I still think is a reliever long term, but, you know, a very interesting one with an eight grade change. To get that additional piece alongside Adele, I think was a, a good piece of business for the Rangers. So well, I I completely agree. And this what he did early in the offseason pushed me to be aggressive with some of the moves I was making. And so mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. into the offseason, I had no intention of trading Dominguez and Griggs. Like those were guys that I saw as my core. But I found out pretty quickly that unless I pushed hard or hard in early with those guys, I was not going to get these guys because I wasn't going to compete with anybody. And so, you know, it's and then once I like once Luan went, it was like there's no reason to to sit on other guys if I have impact available at the big league level. And so and I got a 38, 39 year old Nolan Arenado, who I'm paying 22 million a year. I mean, I've got these guys. It's you know, what am I going to do? Keep paying those guys just to to finish third behind. Right. You know, like it's not I can't do that. So 
you know, and what Texas did, what I really like is they kept their top prospects. They gained all these pieces they and did. they've still got their three top guys. Yeah. I mean, the four prospects they gave up for both Adele and Rodriguez. Um, actually, I'm noticing that the trade was split up into a few de- few deals here. So hold on. Let me just pull up that other. Um, yeah. I mean, the best prospect that I have the Royals getting is Ricky Swift, who is a reliever. So to get Rodriguez and Adele for a prospect package led by reliever Ricky Swift, that's a really good deal of business. And to your point, he does have the farm system still. He still has a decent amount of money to spend. So and I said built- this before, RJ built up the Marlins. No disrespect to Ben. I think Ben's done a good job kind of maintaining the course there in Miami. But that's RJ's concoction. RJ really was the architect of the Miami team. And then he transitioned to Texas when they were in a really bad spot and it's taken several years, but you finally see the light at the end of the tunnel here for RJ. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been kind of a surprise. And now that you say that, I didn't know that he was with the Marlins before because I'm still pretty new here. Yeah. Uh, but that makes a lot of sense because as soon as he started making those moves, it was clear what he was doing. And if I stood pat, I was going to be third or fourth place this coming season. Herman Marquez might be one of my favorite off-season signings. I mean, I know that he's coming off a year where he literally did not pitch outside of like six starts with the Dodgers, but no, he's him still at, a him 55. At is, no, him at four and a half is great. I was that's, in on him as well. Um, that's a steal. But I, you know, I, I wasn't sure because I, was, I thought I had a chance at the Cuban guy. So I was trying to have to, <laughs> I was having to manage my money oh and I eventually got in where I had what did I, I had seven years about two hundred million offered to the guy. Yeah. And uh you know, and I was doing it more front loaded. Like I had I think I had fifty million in the first two years. You're the you're the anti Steven, essentially, is what you're saying. Yeah, it was just and then I had the opt out, like thinking he might want to do that. And then I was like, I'll take him for two years and then, you know, let him let him go elsewhere. Because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. that'll be the time when I'm kind of cycling out anyway, and so, um, but yeah, but I mean, eventually it didn't didn't pan out. So now I've got I had a little bit extra money now, and I was able to take on hassle, and so that's how that worked. But um, oh well, you weren't able to get 55 Alex Villa or Villa Villa Villa. I, don't I had him. As, I had him as a 65. My, I mean, it also took forever for me to get a scout, <laughs> and so like I was going off of OSA ratings for the Hutchinson deal. And oh, I was like, wow. man, man, I really hope that he stays up there when I, when Good, I, I could yeah. not. Oh boy. Oh my God. But I, I had no choice. I wasn't going to get him if I didn't pull the trigger. I couldn't keep waiting Sims. Like I was trying to get a scout and he wouldn't sign. And then he eventually went somewhere else. Yeah. I think so, you and Kansas city were going after the same guy. Tyrell Jenkins. Yeah. I yeah. Think. I kept trying to get, I offered him. I was like, man, I wish, Scouts now made that much money. That'd be great. Right. Yeah. We, 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 we wouldn't be playing this game. We'd probably be too busy with, with <laughs> responsibilities. Um, yeah. I think Tyrell Jenkins, funny enough, actually signed. He signed with the Mets. Interesting. Did not know that. Um, yeah. So I think the Rangers have done a good job. Now, a, a team that I'm a little on the other end of in terms of confused by Santos buddy 
what the hell is going on? Um, I don't really know what Santos is doing. Now, granted, I say this almost every offseason. He's going to come and, like, win 90 games in the Central. Like, it's going to – it's it's definitely going to happen because I'm bringing it up. But he trades away Bregman. Okay, that makes sense. He trades Colobos. Sure, he gets a pitcher out of that, Arturo Valos, and he gets Alec Baum. Fine. I just don't know why you would then trade some pretty good prospects for Joe Leonard. Like, to me, Joe Leonard is a very interesting player. He's a super splits guy. He's been incredible against right-handed hitters, uh, pitchers, excuse me. Um, Not so much against lefties, but, you know, he's 27. I know he's cost controlled for several more years, but the fit just didn't really make sense to me. Um... Now Santos has, I think, one of the worst farm systems in baseball. Doesn't have a single top 100 prospect. He's got several within the top 200, uh, I believe six in total. So, I mean, he's got some guys. But I don't really know what the end goal is here because you're trading away Bregman, but then you bring in Bone. He doesn't have money to spend, doesn't have a farm system. Like, I just think we're going in this cycle of we want to win, but we don't want to go all in. And I just, I wish that he would make a decision one way or the other. So from that standpoint, I think the pirates have had one of the, one of the worst off seasons, frankly. It's a, it's a little bit of a, of a head scratcher. I was, you know, Bregman was a guy that I was after as well. Um, I don't know that what I offered for him was better than what he got, but you know, yeah, it's and there's been a couple other guys that I've been trying to work with him on, but it's been uh, it's been kind of a slow trudge. But you know, it's also the beginning yeah. of the season. So, yeah, 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 he's, yeah, he's, he's with like the Angels. Gal- real life. Last time I checked, yeah. I was getting paid to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I know. Um, but I, I, I'm just speaking more so of like the actual moves that he has made. It's not the inactivity. Um, yeah, like. To me, you need to walk away with at least one top 100 prospect for Alex Bregman. Because not only is he still elite, but he's 100% retained. He is free. He's off the books. He's completely covered by the Dodgers and Rays. That adds a whole other rank. Like, we remember, you remember the Jose Quintana trade in 2017. One of the biggest drivers of that trade one of the biggest reasons the Cubs did it was because Quintana had such a good contract. Now imagine right. Quintana free. What would it have been on top of Eloy and Cease? I right. mean, you could probably throw in one other excellent prospect. Yeah. That's kind of how I think of this with Bregman is like, he's not the elite player anymore, but he's kind of within that same talent tier that Quintana was at that time of the trade. And he's free. Like to me, you need to walk away with at least one top 100 prospect for that player. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I I don't know how like what I one thing I've learned in my short time in this league is that how your scout varies or values these players varies wildly. And so, mm-hmm. like I saw mm-hmm. my minor league list get turned around, like almost upside down when I hired a new scout. 
And so right. it's, I mean, these are the same guys and suddenly these ratings are way different. Yeah. And, you know, so it's, I've, I've run into that a lot, especially talking deals. And it's really, it's tough to figure out where other guys value some of these players. But one thing I do looking at his roster, I do think is that he's positioned himself pretty well to have a lot of good pieces at the deadline. And so when people get desperate at the deadline, they're trying to beat you, you know, it's, they're going to give up a little bit more for an overachieving Alec Baum, or they need somebody who oh, can catch God. the ball at shortstop and Barbosa is there. Uh, they need somebody like a Gunnar Henderson or. Uh, they they need a Rickelvin De, De Castro to be their backup infielder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like he's got pieces that have significant value. and Ben, that are ben Larson, honestly, might be the best piece that he has that would be tradable. Like, I don't think he would trade a Valos. Bohm is kind of just – he is what he is, right? Yeah, but if just, he – I mean, what if he has a – I mean, I guess he's got a lot of money left unless – did somebody – He is fully him? retained by the Dodgers. Oh, so, all right, so, so he's free. Yeah. So that's got a lot of value, especially mid-season. Like, I mean, I hell, say like if you or I have an injury, you're not going to take him back, and he's playing well. You know? I mean, I would consider it. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I don't. I I think like Ben Larson. I think there's more there. Um, and pitching, you're always going to trade a little bit more for pitching, right? Yeah. Um, and I've always thought that he's. He's very interesting. Like, I think if you get him to a team where he's happy, because I've looked at him almost every offseason, and every time I look at him, his morale is unhappy. Because either he sucked and he's unhappy with his performance, or the team record sucks, or the transactions are bad, whatever. And I just, I, I think this is the, and maybe this is me being a sucker for this kind of Spencer Strider profile, but... When you got the three plus pitches, you've got the plus command. That's always going to get a lot, and he's also like dirt cheap with team control. Like to right. me, that's I think that's the guy, and then boom, and then I guess I guess Austin Hendrick after that, maybe, possibly. I don't know. I don't know who would pay up for like an Austin Hendrick. Someone probably will. He's a free agent after this year, so. Yeah. yeah. I just, like, I don't know what the... Like, I don't think he should trade Coelho and Avalos. So, if you remove those guys... I just, like, Bone doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. Like, that you're going to get a really convincing prospect package. Uh, Hendrick, kind of the same thing. Chris Barbosa, also the same. Like, I just don't know... like. To me, they're going to have to absolutely kill it in the draft because I don't think the prospects that Santos wants to start this rebuild or really jumpstart it are coming from trades and definitely not international free agents because he has no money. So, Yeah, I, I mean, I, I still think based on what I've seen at the deadline the past two seasons that there might be some surprises there as far as what people might give up. You get one True. or two. Of these we, guys we do that, have the Dodgers and Hammers in this league. I yeah, guess one of these, that. one of these two, you know, one of these guys in this list that you just named overachieves, and suddenly he's bringing in two guys that are potential core pieces. Yeah. And you add two pieces like that, and suddenly 
everything you're talking about looks a little bit different. Well, let's talk about this because we have seen for two off seasons in a row, either the second biggest market or a top 10 market in the hammers go all in in free agency or make trades for guys that have a lot of cash or retention attached. I, I am going to be interested to see if more teams do this and thus if that changes the trade market dynamics come the deadline, right? Because it's not just going to be, Hey, we want this player. It's, Hey, we want this player and we want them to, we want you to pay for it. Right. So I'm going to be interested to see like how many more deals around retention come around in the deadline season moving forward. That's one thing I think to keep an eye on. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, I mean, Atlanta and LA have painted themselves into a corner. Well, that's the only thing they can do, right? Right. So right. It's you know, and if it keeps working, the Hammers win the World Series, and you know, the Dodgers and Hammers yeah. are playing the NLCS. All of a sudden, you're going to have like three or four other gyms. Like, dang, maybe I should do that. Right. I mean, I never would have thought to offer something like that to that Cuban guy, but I'm like, well, it's the only way I'm going to get him. <laughs> so, you know, I might as I might as well. You know, I've traded away everything. So. Yeah. I yeah, might like I, I went through the OTP forms more trying to figure out ways we could do that hammers trade more than I think I've ever been on an OTP form before, like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so. so, I mean, yeah, you're going to, I, I, like I said, I think, I think people will get desperate and you'll, you'll be looking at guys that were just drafted, getting moved again, you know, right. just signed internationally, get moved again. And so it's, uh, who did uh, was it? Oh, it was Seattle that signed the Italian kid, right? Not Texas. The inter, the international kid, uh, yeah. the amateur. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Who is? Uh, I mean, let's. Okay. What What do you have on Remitani? I'm curious. Uh, fifty five. Okay. I have an eight. I, I do have an eight, and Cashman does not give out eights. Um, my last, uh, my last guy had a seven on him. Okay. So okay. My, my last guy retired, so it's not like he, he worked for me for one year and then retired. So uh, <laughs> it, it's the Anaheim uh, effect, I guess. Yeah, he'd rather hang it's out the at water. the beach than, right. than walk on the ninety-one. Right, right. He'd rather walk barefoot around Anaheim like Noah Syndergaard does. I don't believe it. Um, but uh. Yeah, so I mean, it, it looks like it's it's still a very nice profile, but it's not as high as it was. Okay. Um. So yeah, I mean, that's. I buy this eight actually. I usually don't buy this eight, but he could be a monster because the ratings have remained stable throughout the off season so far. That's always one thing I look for with international guys when I trade for them. Venzer was kind of this way too, where, you know. Remitani had these ratings when he was an international free agent and we're more than halfway through this offseason and they've remained stable. And on top of that, he's got the incredible personality. The makeup is off the charts. Right. Um, so those two factors for me, with no real splits that I can see, at least in the ratings, uh, yeah, I'm in on Remitani. And damn it, Grant knows it. But so what is the, what's the combination that you look for with this? Because I see I see contact and avoid Ks, right? If you have plate discipline that goes with that, then you're talking about a consistently high average guy 
that if he has any kind of semblance of power is going to do some damage. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, you add plus power in the middle there, and that's quite good. But I've got discipline at 35. Yeah, so I have the discipline at a 45. It's graded there. My avoid case is fake grade 65, home run power 7, hit tool 75, also fake grade. But yeah, it's a really damn good profile. There's no splits to speak of that I can see against lefties or righties. And I generally will pay a little bit more for guys that have the hit tool, the power tool, and avoid the strikeouts. If you don't have the greatest eye, but you avoid the strikeouts, it just means you're going to put more balls in play. And when you've got the hit tool and you've got the home run power that he does, and, and above average gap power too, yeah, the, the on-base percentage you're going to lose in walks is remedied with most likely a high bat bit, I would I would think at least. Yeah, yeah, that's I've just noticed because I had a number of guys in my system that were very high avoid the K's, very high contact, kind of below average power. Yeah, like high like, high hit tool, yeah, good game were, power, good gap power, right? You know, 30 discipline and you know, they're hitting two hundred. Right. And so it's uh if if they don't have that power, it seems like it's just a lot of soft contact. Yeah, it's and it's so, like very Nicky Lopez, David Fletcher. Yeah. Right. And so that's, you know, that's uh, Jesus Garza for me, right? Right. So. Yeah. And, and you, I think you had, who did you have that you traded? You traded away someone um, this offseason. I want to say it was the Cubs. Dominguez. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Dominguez is the same way. Yeah. yeah. And he was, my thought originally was to move him to second base, but. Uh, it didn't look like he was going to get better defensively there. And oh, I think he'd be way better at second or third than short. Yeah. Oh, that be- better than at short, but still would be a below average second baseman based on the ratings I had. So. Yeah, like, he looks yeah. like a third baseman, but it's it's weird because he's not like he had the eight fifteen OPS, which is great, but I don't know if that profile. Well, and then he See, went to he had one injury and then went to fragile. Yeah. And so, yeah. I was, you know, and that's, I might have put a little too much emphasis on avoiding the fragile tag. I think this past off season, I kind of parted with guys a little bit more easily than I should have yeah. with that. But, um, you know, I just like guys that can't stay on the field. I've just never been, I, I'm not a fan. Yeah. You know? Like, cause you gotta, I mean, you have to have one and a half, two players for that one guy. Because you've got to have somebody that can step in for him all the time. Right. And, I mean, that's the whole idea of having depth is, like, if you have depth, you can feel better about getting, yeah, you know, uh, a, a Xander Bogarts, right? But if that's, your elite, if that's your elite guy, if those are your best players and they're not on the field for 150 games, then that's, that's a tough spot, I think. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I mean, if it's like your third best player, then okay. You know, you can you can stomach that because you've got your other guys that are out there all the time. Absolutely. You know? But it's for me like if that if like Herrera, like if he's going to be my best player, but he's going to play 115 games or 100, you know, 120 games or something a year, then it's like, eh, you know, I'm better off spreading that around a little bit. Now, well, trade- he's, well, he's, he, well, he's a twin now, so that yeah. just means he's guaranteed 115 games at least every season because twins. 
play. Yeah, well, and they've got, I mean, he's the Twins have so much depth that they can do that. Um, <sighs> but, uh, you know, I, I really like what, how he's done it. But, uh, right. you know, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it hasn't worked out for me. I like Milan, but he underperformed. And then McLaughlin got hurt, you know, and was significantly less than what he was when I made the deal. So it hasn't worked out for me. Yeah. I mean, but, McLaughlin's okay. He's, no, he's, he's, I mean, he's fine. fine. Yeah. He's, but if he, I mean, if he has another season where he throws a hundred innings, then it's like, well, you know, you, you'll, you'll take that. That's a, that's a win. Um, all right. Um, so we, we've talked about a few teams. Is there any one other team that you'd like to highlight before we move on? Uh, let me see here. I'll go go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'll go ahead and say I'm kind of stunned at the Cardinals for being as quiet as they have been. I guess it's just a byproduct of this division sucking beyond belief. Like, I don't think we talk about how bad bad this division was and we we made jokes about the nl the al west all those years ago being terrible but the nl central sucked beyond belief last year and i guess it's just like this level of complacency that luke has and i mean look if i didn't have to push all my chips into the table and i knew that i still had a 15 game lead on the second place team i wouldn't do anything either um, no, I think they – I like the, the moves they made. But I don't really think they – I think a lot of their offseason chatter has been just extending their own guys, which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But They've got a great roster. They don't need to do a whole lot. I know, but this is – to me, like, it's such a slam dunk. This is when you do push all the chips into the table for me. This is when you do – go out and make trades for guys. I mean, they, they brought in Ryan Velada, who was a free agent signing. They signed Austin Wells to be a backup catcher. I mean, they lost Alvaro Herrera, who granted wasn't as good last year, but still more than serviceable. Cody Whitley, who uh, was serviceable for them again. Jordan Hicks in 14 games was excellent for them. So I just, I wish they would just put a little bit more pedal to the metal because I cannot foresee a situation where this division gets any weaker than what it already is. You know? Yeah. I but just wish they would go that I mean, extra mile. Free agency, maybe. I don't know what their money is like. Free agency, maybe. They, they have money to spend. They I don't know spend. that I would be trading prospects because I think, I mean, maybe if the, I mean, I don't know, like of all the guys that have been dealt this offseason, I mean, I don't know who is it. Maybe Hassel is a fit for them, but I mean, a first baseman is is really what they what they need. I mean, who I is? Yeah, I don't. I don't know that there was like a significant difference maker that was available. I mean, but I. I mean, I think Kolovos would have been good for them. Now I understand that like it's in divisions can be a little bit more difficult to do that. Um you know, they could have signed Nick Senzel to play first base. They could have signed – I don't know. I, I point is that I think there's enough, like, good 
first baseman in the game where I'm just like, I don't know. I, I just find it odd that they didn't go out and get that first baseman. They didn't go out and get that like super utility guy that could really help them. Yeah, um, I still think there's, I mean, so, okay. So what if they sign Marte? Uh, okay. I mean, that, that probably changes some things, right? Cause now I, he doesn't, he doesn't have to play short. He could, I guess. I'm over Acosta. I would but... probably play Marte over Acosta at short, but then I would probably just move. I guess you move Acosta to second and Bichette to first. You could do something like that. I mean, you could do a lot or of different Gorman, All these guys are Gorman plus range, plus error, plus arm, right? Yeah, I mean, I just yeah, like if you want, if you went out and got Marte, I think that's fine. I, Marte's going to give up the draft pick. Yeah, I mean, Mar- I think Marte's definitely good enough to give up a draft pick. And I'm not just saying it because I'm attached to him like that. But, <laughs> uh, I, no, I mean, he is the best position player left. But, right. Uh, I looked at what he's asking for. and Oh, it's a ton. I mean, the hammers are just... Good God, <laughs> you know, like I, there's no way I can compete with that offer. Like he's going to be making, I believe the league maximum in some of those years, 49.6 million based off what he's telling me the hammers are offering right now. I haven't, I haven't checked it. Yeah. It's, it's a, it, yeah. He wants it. It's 10 years, 304 million is what he wants. <laughs> so Yikes. some decisions have been made. I'm just going to leave yeah, it good at luck that. With that. Yeah. yeah. That's- so, so, no, I wouldn't do that if I'm the Cardinals. But, like, again, we're kind of at that point of the offseason where it's kind of just Marte that can be, like, a true difference maker. Like, you feel confident about the fact that he'll be a difference maker. Uh, right. I just wish they would have done that so that way, you know, they would have been able to leverage the money that they do have. They wouldn't have traded away any prospects. You know, and they're just kind of going through the motions, and that's it's fine. But I you just wish a, you know more. who could be a sleeper for them is Anthony at first base. Josh Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be that would be a pretty good fit for them, and I don't know what his ask is. <laughs> I don't know that the hammers have gotten to him yet, but yeah, uh, no, I don't think I don't think they have. It doesn't look like it because it's still fairly within the universe so right it's uh 15 million a year uh, josh million. anthony is he's, he's okay he's okay i mean yeah he's been he's been above he's been like 18 percent above league after the bat his career yeah and I, just, he, I mean he's been a four plus war player th- two of the last three years i just this is just not the kind of profile i invest into and i mean i guess if you can get him on a one-year oh, deal you get him on a two-year deal probably or a one-year deal and a vesting option or something like yeah, that something like that i mean that's not and that's yeah. not hard to get out from under either if you yeah. need to in the last year yeah but it does, if you've got a little bit of space it doesn't matter or you're trading you know? fully retained for a hall of prospects from i don't know you could do yeah you could do something like that so it's yeah. not i mean that's a pretty low risk move i would think i i i think you've talked me into josh anthony and the cardinals we are willing this into existence. Luke, I know you listen to this podcast. You are the agent of chaos behind the scenes. 
He rarely I mean, ever talks. Obviously, likes the NL. So right, you know, I think you play off of that. You know, I mean, yeah. that, that money, like thirty for two, is not not prohibitive. Luke, you are the agent of chaos in the league. Okay, I think that's the title of the show. Luke Statler, agent of chaos. <laughs> Go and sign Josh Anthony. Okay, I just wanted to. I just wanted to trade me Parada. Yeah, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah, you and your zero top one. Hey, you know what? At this rate, you might actually beat me out, buddy. You might actually I, beat me out. I got nothing left in the tank, man. There's nobody there, unless unless he's like a, unless he's got a secret eight on a couple guys that I don't, you know. Right, which would be both good and bad for you, I guess. Right, you know, good yeah. that he sees it. Bad is like, why do you see that? I don't. Right. Um, yeah. Well, it's because I hired Paul De Podesta as my. Yeah. <laughs> Is he still with the Cleveland Browns? I don't think so. Okay. I don't know what he's doing. I think he might be back in finance or something. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, all right, so let's go through some of the top remaining free agents. We went through Marte. We want the Cardinals to happen. Old friend Daniel Gosselin to both of us. Uh, probably the best reliever left on the market, unless mm-hmm. you want to say Jordan Hicks or Edwin Diaz. Well, Edwin Diaz is going to be healthy this year, but... It's basically between Gosselin and Jordan Hicks. Uh, I'll just go Hicks because he's younger. Uh, no, excuse me, to Gosselin because he's younger. But coin flip. Um, Gosselin wasn't we... wasn't great for me. He was not great. He was. He not definitely great. was not to the level he was for you. Um, now I didn't necessarily need him to be that good, but what's a little more concerning to me is that he really wasn't happy there, and so really? I don't know why because I gave him, you know. A, significant role in the pen all year you know he wasn't just specialist it was like you know set up and high leverage guy and uh now it's like even when i try and make him an offer he's not not really interested so interesting you know it's uh and we were a good club so i don't know maybe once he wants to go back to new york uh i mean he was he was good for me and i yeah i mean i checked in and it's not like a horrible ask, but I don't know. Like, I don't really think I need another reliever. So it's, I mean, I, I could end up signing him, but I could see a team like, I don't know. It's not really a twins kind of guy. Twins prefer guys that keep the ball on the ground. It's not really Gosling's forte. Do the no, A's have any money? With, uh, fits with Texas. He does fit with Texas. That's a good one. You know, and that's the Astros uh, like, really need pitching. Yeah, starting and relieving, and I think they have some money, so that would be a good landing spot. Uh, I, I mean, maybe the Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a there's plenty of teams that could use a really good lefty reliever. I mean, even if you get what you got last year, it's that's fine. He was still above average per fit. Um, I don't want to keep going with AL teams here, but I do think, I do think one of the Blue Jays, Rangers or Astros are going to sign Gosling. That's just my, that's just my opinion there. Um, I think those would be the teams that make the most sense. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. It's, uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not going to pay him what he's asking. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. we'll see if it, if it drags out, maybe you can get a discount later on, but. Um, for sure, you know, it's like, I'm more of a, you know, 
one and a half to three million for a reliever kind of guy. So yeah, yeah. And it was just getting him in that deal with you was it was nice to have. It wasn't like the starting pitching, right? Was really it was wanted. it was his Reiki Baroa. Yeah. Who, Jesus man, he better be better this next season than he was. Bring him, bring him back home. Bring him back home. He was so bad. Let's uh, let's talk trade after this. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll let you right the wrongs here. You, you can even trade me Robert Hassel while you're at it. Anyways, um, next on the board here, and this this feels like such a farce, such a phony. Francisco Alvarez, such a phony. I hate it. He's not a six, okay? Anyone that pays him to be a six, you're fooling yourself, okay? Kansas City did not feel confident enough in Francisco Alvarez to make him their starting catcher. They felt the need to go out and get Joey Bart. That tells me everything I need to know. I want nothing to do with Francisco Alvarez if he's going to be asking anything north of, like, Five million a year, especially over like three years, and he's a fragile catcher. He's not played above a hundred games since twenty twenty six. He's gonna get a multi year deal, and it's just, I just want nothing to do with this kind of profile, especially with the ask that. Why do we both have him as a six? Then I don't get that. Um, because he's got good catchability, and he doesn't utterly suck as a catcher. OSA's got him as a 55. My guy's ahead of that. Minus two, but I still want nothing to do with him. Yeah. I, yeah, no, I don't know. I've got a free Stevenson as my backup catcher, so. Right. You know, and that that was a bad trade, by the way, if you want to point out some of my mistakes. Um, that was a that was a fairly big one. I did not expect Frusich to be this good, to be fair. You didn't expect what? I didn't expect Steven Frusich to be this good, to be fair. Oh, well, I mean, I thought defense behind the plate actually meant something. Um, (laughs) And so I'm like, well, I can't have a, I can't have, you know, like a subpar Mike Piazza defensively. Yeah. And so, you know. I mean, if you can just look past the 17 pass balls this season, we're we're doing good. Yeah. I mean, Nitch has been good for me, but he wasn't. And then I made that trade for Stevenson. I gave up McCluskey, who's now a seven with Cincinnati. And so. Yeah. But I didn't have any money at the time because I was just I just taken over the club and uh, whoever had it before it was over budget. So I, I mean, McCluskey to... is just like a poor man's Danny Alvarez. Like he's fine. He's not. Yeah, I mean, he's a corner player who's going to hit. Fine. You know, and he really didn't awful. lose that much, in my opinion. I don't no, know. but it's it was a lot to give up. And to your point before, like getting retained contracts is going to force you to give up more like sure. that. Yeah. And so you know, there's going to be every year there's going to be a couple teams willing to do that. Yeah. So, you know, because prospects are kind of like you think about the different GMs and their approach uh, versus what baseball writers have to say about prospects. You know, if you look at Dombrowski, you know, and his track record, like he sees prospects as currency. Yeah. You know, every once in a while when the timing is right and your guy is good, you keep him. Right. But at the same time, if you have the chance to acquire impact major league talent and you're trying to win now, those guys are currency for you. And so holding them on so you can have a hold on to them so you can have a top five minor league system. You know, last time I checked, that doesn't help you in October. So, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> if you're now, you can't do that and then not rebuild and not try and build it back constantly. Right. It's like, you can't cut down all the trees without replanting some of them. 
Right. And so, you know, you need to be able to, you need to invest in your draft. You need to invest internationally if you're going to do that. And so like, that's kind of my plan. And that was my hope with the Podesta because he's supposedly great in the draft. Right. So right. You know, I want him to, to help me there. And so I can trade these guys away and I ha now I have to draft well. And if I don't, you know, three seasons from now or two seasons from now, like I'm going to be at the bottom of the AL West and, you know, not have a lot to work with. So, right. Right. So I, let's get back to Alvarez just for a quick moment here. So Sorry, yeah, that was a little bit of a tangent. No, 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 that's fine. There is a team that has a glaring hole and it's kind of shocking that they have this glaring hole. It's the twins. The Twins have Ali Sanchez as their starting catcher, which is a thing you can do, I guess. Not something I would recommend, but that is a thing you can do. Uh, I would... If I can get Francisco Alvarez on a two-year deal instead of a three-year deal and the price comes down a little bit, I mean, they just have nobody there. And... I don't know of a really good catcher that's available in the trade market. So, well, but the thing with the Twins is they don't need a catcher to. I mean, I've got Ali Sanchez as one of the best defensive catchers. He's a the, good defensive catcher. He's just a total league. zero at the plate. But that they don't need him to do that. It's the same reason, like when the Yankee, like in real life, to step outside of this, when the Yankees sign Kiner Falefa or traded yeah. for Kiner Falefa. They don't need. They didn't need a shortstop to come in and hit, you know, two eighty with twenty five home runs. You know, uh, they need a guy to catch the ball, and so that's it. As yeah. someone that watches every Yankees game, I'm already over the kind of IKF experience at shortstop. Well, it's. I mean, it's a stopgap, but it's somebody who catches the ball, and that's what Didi was too. And you know, Didi surprised with the bat a little bit. Some people. Um, you know, but he was a guy who defensively was good. And you saw what happened when you have a subpar defensive shortstop. It's, you know, especially in New York, it's tough. IKF and, has has actually, I thought, he, I think he's actually been pretty bad defensively at short. And he was actually awful per outs above average last year. Uh, 2021, yeah, I mean, minus it's, seven it's, in outs above it's, average. It's pretty short. early. It's pretty early. I know, but, but well, last year... Last year he was, I mean, not just bad, but like really not good defensively at shortstop. Like minus seven outs above average per stat cast last year. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I I, I don't. I'm over the IKF experience already. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, it's not like Alvarez is a bad defensive catcher. I mean, he is a good defensive catcher, and he is going to provide a little bit more thump than Sanchez. Like Sanchez to me is a perfect backup catcher. But Alvarez, he's he's a second division regular. You know, he's he's not he's not gonna go out and be a perennial all star. He might like make an all star team, maybe, but like it's definitely a better offensive problem than Ali Sanchez, and it's still good defensively. Like I would do that in a heartbeat on the twins. Yeah, I mean, it looks like that might make sense if the money works with what they're trying to do, you know, because yeah. they're all their contracts, you know, 
have to fit inside of a certain mold, it seems like, for them to be able to do what they want to do internationally, which they're coming up on a year when they can do stuff again. So, oh God, you know, so it's, uh, you know, you have to sacrifice stuff like that. And I think sacrificing some offense at that position when you've got what you have in the rest of the lineup to have the, de- you know, you want, I'd rather have defense than like a bat first catcher if sure. I'm them. So, you know, um, and they're gearing up and they're going to have some competition with what they're trying to do internationally that, uh, this next season because yeah, teams aren't going to be taken back yeah. and by surprise again. by the so, And that's the reason I did what I did internationally this year is because I knew I wouldn't be able to compete with them. Right. So it's, you know, rather than get like third or fourth, you know, shot, you know, third or fourth licks at the, the international crop this next season, like I was better off. I'm like, I might as well just blow it out this year. Yeah. And so, um, mm-hmm. and also you're coming back and you're able to do stuff. So it's. No, I, I actually signed uh, two guys last you, year. Oh, you signed some guys this year. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Um, but the year after that, for sure. Um, all right. So let's move on to the next guy here. Um, I'm going to go with Austin Meadows. Uh, now, I think Austin Meadows is like a you know, roll 55 guy at this point like he's, he's okay mm-hmm. he's okay but he's not going to be an earth-shattering uh you know talent but i do think i do think the a's would do really well to get meadows they have a little bit of money left i'm sure they could probably make the financials work if they really wanted to but um i don't really think jose garate is that much of the answer at all in right field like he's a very good fourth outfielder and i don't really want to put trout in the outfield shira is not all that exciting to me personally um and ray vash garcia is clearly not an outfielder so i would think that they would be all in on meadows you know trying to get him for about three and a half million this year maybe backload a vesting option you know, or team option the year, you know, next year, something like that. But I think Meadows at the bottom of that lineup would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say before when you were uh, talking about the last team that I was surprised that they haven't done much. Well, they um, just don't have a lot of money or prospects, you know. Right, but I think there's uh, – they do have stuff that they could move around and, you know, maybe spread it out. But they did – I mean, they did a lot last year, and they're still set up. They've got the same team coming back. They were really good. They've got an Olsen for a full year. Um, and they – I guess they re-upped Rutschman. So, you know, um, they, yep. they were making an effort to move on from Trout. But uh, I don't know. I guess that didn't go anywhere. It's it's that 100 – the 100% retention dilemma. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he is retained already, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's, you know, I mean, that's that's nice. And I, I like Garate a little bit more than you do. Um, yeah, I, I'm not in at all. On Garate, I, I think he, but... I kind of, I kind of like like the just looking at the the way I have the ratings. Uh, you know, that's worked out fairly well for me, even with the low discipline, because um, there's yeah. enough, enough juice there to kind of. I mean, he, he is a very, very good defensive outfielder, but right, um, like to again, like Andy hitting the playoffs. He hit, yeah. I that's guess. that's that's something that I've noticed with. I mean, that's the reason I kept Alonzo all year 
was because he raked in the playoffs for me the first year, and then he did it again. He didn't play all year. And then White gets hurt right before the playoffs, and then Alonzo hits in the playoffs again. Lazaro so Alonzo, baby. It's uh, like those guys that do that, That's that seems like it's real. It's not random. And so, no. you know, I mean, there's some value there, the club that you know you're going to be in there. Um, I suppose, yeah. Um, and he's like, I mean, he's making the minimum. Yeah. I mean, look, you can get Austin Meadows for three and a half million and then you can have a good dilemma. Do I start Garate or Meadows? And, and you could literally yeah. just go, it, Garate could be the weak side platoon. Meadows could be the strong side. There you go. Problem yeah. solved. There you go. There, there's your, if, there's your championship if, move, if, uh, Chris. If go you make can it. get Meadows for three and a half million, that's a big if. I mean, you could probably make it where I, I listen. He's asking, if, isn't he asking for like 13 or something? Let's see. Um, oh, he is. Yeah, like that's wow. Yeah, and I'm like, so out on that price. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Well, listen, Matt Chapman signed for one year, twelve million. So uh, anything's possible. I, I, I would at least put the offer out there, and you could, you could give that old homage. We tried. You, you can pull the we tried card. Videos. So, Chris, pull the We Tried card, sign Austin Meadows. Sign it for three and a half million, and then, you know, whatever the following year. Make it happen. Make it happen. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's pretty much it. We, right? We covered four. Yeah, we covered four guys. So, that's it. Um, I know we're coming up on uh, almost an hour here, so we'll, we'll call it here. But, uh, Dave, once again, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, great job as always. Going to be an f- exciting season. Starts up in about a week and a half in real time. So it'll be here before you know it. We'll be drafting before you know it. Uh, but best of luck uh, throughout the season. Best of luck in the real life uh, season as well, Dave. And as always, thanks for hopping on. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for uh, doing a good job running this league, man. This this is a lot of fun. And uh I am not going to be shy about telling you how much fun it was yesterday for me. So that was uh, that was quite enjoyable. That's where this conversation is where I like to call over. All right. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. I believe episode number 10 of Defying Gravity. We'll see you guys next time.